Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the two conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host. And I always appreciate that you take time just for yourself and listening to this show, ways that can help your life become better and more a better version of who you want to be, and that you also are impacting other people. And that the better you understand yourself, the more on top of you that you are, the more accepting you are of yourself, and the more you trust yourself the better you will be for those people around you. So we're talking about this word trust today. And I titled this show, I Trust You, because I want you to think about what it feels like if someone says, yes, I do, I I trust you. I trust you. And what that really means when someone trusts you. And I love this verse. This is Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 7, and it says, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume you know it all. And how about this? This is Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? So think about that. He's not a man that he should lie, nor a man that he should repent. And he says, I'll do it. Won't he just do it? And if he's spoken it, won't he make it good? And this is how we need to be trusting God. Now, God's exceptional. I don't think it's safe necessarily to put trust in humans the way I might be trusting God. So trust is this word I understand until I actually have to do it. I don't know if that makes sense to you or if that resonates with you. But see, trust doesn't feel like a very heavy word until I actually have to carry it out, until I actually have to trust someone with something meaningful to me. What I want you to think about is this, this has helped me, this thought that God gave me, and it's that my trust always needs to start and stop with God, not in me. I need to remember 
that I can't trust me like I can trust God. So God is trustworthy, always. I am not. I trust in God as he is making me into a more trustworthy person. So I like to think of this in, in various degrees. I believe at this age, with the knowledge that I have, the, the experience that I have, I am far more trustworthy at this age than I might have been at 16, or 13, or even 29. It takes years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. That's what Warren Buffett said. So we need to protect and we need to treasure trust. So if we have someone we can trust, we need to protect that relationship and treasure it, not take advantage of it. And if someone is putting their trust in us, we need to protect it and treasure the fact that they are trusting us. I like this saying by Ernest Hemingway. The best way to find out if you can trust somebody is to trust them. Now that's kind of scary, but I think it's 100% accurate. You can't find out if someone is trustworthy if you're not willing to take that risk, which is what God is doing with us. God risks on humans every day. And even though we are not necessarily a trustworthy bunch, we do have our moments. And God is willing to continue to risk trusting us. So what, what does Ronald Reagan say? He says, trust but verify. I think it's great. So we don't want to be naive. We don't want to be lazy. But we certainly want to make sure that we are wise. And this is what I say to people. A wise man puts his trust firstly in God, then in people. God gave me that insight in 2018, and it has helped me tremendously. I trust a lot of people. I want to give them the gift of trust, as I want to be trustworthy for them. But I make sure that I trust firstly in God with everything. Then I trust in people. Now, I have a lot of people in my life, some of them clients, neighbors, family, friends. And many of these people trust people first, and then they might take a risk on God. So I would like to let you know that this, this is coming from someone that knows God. I've known him for a long time. I haven't always been the greatest person for him to know, but I do know him as much as I possibly can. And I'm telling you, he is the best risk I have ever taken in my life. Every time I risk and trust God, it goes well. may not be painless, but it's always good. And the more I trust God, the better my judgment is. And the healthier I am. So humans are always a risk. However, I believe they are worth the risk. See, we follow our Lord and we give the gift of trust to mistake-making fallen people. Think of the risk he took when he came here as a man and he had to trust in the 12 disciples and any of the, pe the people that came along with them. That's a huge risk for Jesus to take. In fact, it was such a risk, it killed him. So 
Because his faith was first and ultimately in God, this makes him trustworthy. This also helped him to be in relationship with untrustworthy people. So God is always refining, developing, and forgiving his people. The more that we trust in God, the better able we are to forgive his people. The better we are able to forgive ourselves. So remember that faith is a noun. Trust trust is a verb. So faith is an action. Trust describes an experience. So we have faith in God. We walk in trust that he'll direct our paths. Then we have faith in people, and we show them our faith in them. And the way we do that is by trusting them. Furthermore, we honor God by offering trust to his people and by believing they will correct what may weaken our faith and our trust in them. So we give them time. You see, humans need time. I've, been, uh, I've told you about my, my profession. I've done this for 25, 30 years, and I can't explain or stress the weight of time and how much humans need time. And many times we won't give it to ourselves, we may give it to other people. But time is one of the ways we trust people. We give them our time. Or we take time from them. So let's look at this other very important concept when it comes to this, that faith and trust. Now these are two different things. And so Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, many of us have that backwards. We lean more on our understanding, and then we dole out some trust in the Lord. And God is saying, you've got it upside down. You need to trust me first, and then be leaning on your own understanding. But always start with faith and trust in God. Because the more I trust God, the more I know him, the better my decision-making is going to be. So many believers today often confuse having faith in God with trusting in God. So when you think about it, that faith is a noun, it's something you have or possess. It's a substance. It's evidence of things both hoped for and things not seen. And I'm sure you're familiar with that famous verse of Hebrews 11.1 that says faith is the substance the evidence of things hoped for and not seen. So faith in God is the confident belief that he's the sovereign creator of all things and that he can do and will do what he claims. Trust, on the other hand, is a verb. It's something you do or act upon. So faith always comes first, but trust is never guaranteed. So I have faith in a lot of people I don't necessarily put 100% trust in them. I verify. I wait and see. But I give them enough trust to make the relationship viable. So trust is a willful choice. It's a deliberate action and can only grow out of your faith. So I have faith in my car, and I trust that it's going to get me to the radio station. So there is a difference, a vast difference, between faith and trust. 
And I'm going to read you a story in the next segment about a very famous tightrope walker and the difference between faith and trust. And I think you're going to enjoy it because it is. it, it happened in 1859, and this was the first person that ever walked across Niagara Falls. And it, 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 the story is told by one of his friends. And it is a really phenomenal story about trust and about faith. So remember, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. If God said he'll do it, won't he do it? If he's spoken it, won't he make it good? We can have faith in God, which helps us trust. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about the difference between faith and trust. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Make sure you check out my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can also look on your favorite podcast servers, and there will be many of the shows, the past shows, if you've missed any of them, and if you can't listen to today's show in, enti- in its entirety. So thank you for joining me. If you're just tuning in, we are talking about trust, and I opened this show up with saying, I trust you. And what does that feel like when someone says that? Now, I don't know about you, but trust is, is kind of scary sometimes. And I have to remind myself with God that he's the first person I trust implicitly. He's the only person I put all my trust into. So I trust him. And part of being a healthy person is recognizing that we have levels of trust. It's not all or nothing. Now, with God, it is all or nothing because God is worthy of our trust. So when we look at the difference between having faith in God and trusting in God, it's a little bit different. So we don't want to confuse faith in God with trusting in God because how we talked about this in the last segment, that faith is a noun. It's something you possess. It's a substance or evidence of something. And so faith in God is the confident belief that he's the sovereign creator of all things, that he can do whatever he claims. Trust, on the other hand, is a verb. It's something you act upon. It's something you do for someone. You let someone do for you. So faith always comes first, and it should, because trust is never really guaranteed. See, we can, ha- we can have a lot of faith in what the person is saying, and it can sound really good. But once we step out and we trust that what they've told us, we can we can have faith in. Sometimes sometimes it gets a little messed up. So I told you in this last segment that I was going to give this story to you. It's a very famous story about a man named Charles Blondin and Harry Colcord. So these two gentlemen, Blondin was the foremost tightrope walker of his time. And he gained worldwide fame in 1859 as the first person to cross Niagara Falls. Now, Colcord was his friend and his manager. So let me give you a little idea about this story here. So there was a cable made entirely of hemp, 1,300 feet long, 2 inches in diameter. 
and it was wound around an oak tree on the American side, while on the other end was ferried across the Niagara River and secured to a Canadian rock. So here it is, Niagara Falls, right? So on the American side, it's around a tree, and on the Canadian side, it's secured to a rock. Now, this is to limit the swaying, and Colcord had stabilizing guy ropes affixed at, you know, 20-foot intervals to anchors, you know, on both banks, except for about 50 unreachable feet in the center. So that could not necessarily be secured right out in the middle. So think about that. The sides were, were, pretty, were pretty tight, but the middle, the 50 feet in the middle of this 1,500-foot hemp cord couldn't be secured. So thanks to Colcord's um, savvy marketing, tens of thousands of spectators gathered for this spectacle. And gamblers took bets on whether Blondin would fall or die. And vendors hawked everything from lemonade to liquor. I mean, this was a big deal. So this is shortly after 5 p.m. on June 30th, 1859. So Blondin started his slow walk from the American side. Once past the center section, he broke into a run. And after a brief rest, he started back again. But this time, toting a box camera on his back. Balancing precariously near the middle, Blondin carefully set up the camera and snapped a picture of the crowd. Then he repacked his burden and he continued the rest of the way. So the entire trip took about 23 minutes. So once safely back on American soil, Blondin immediately announced a series of encore performances, each more daring than the last. And the press just ate it up. So over several weeks, Blondin walked backward, blindfolded, backflipped, pushed a wheelbarrow, even cooked an omelet during one of the many trips across this rope. See, he had faith he could accomplish these feats but he also trusted his abilities to complete them. That's the difference. So the spectators, on the other hand, you know, they only had faith. So there's a different scene in Blondin's daring walk in August 1959. After he crossed the Canadian side, the crowd crowd was horrified as Blondin reappeared on the rope with his manager, Harry Colcord. Harry's clinging to his back. So there's a few guy ropes that are snapped during this transit. Blondin never wavered and safely made the crossing. And it was later reported that Blondin told his manager, look up, Harry, you are no longer Colcord, you are Blondin. Now that is really interesting. Until I clear this place, be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. Isn't that interesting? That when Blondin told Harry to sit on his back, he said, now listen, trust me, do what I do. Be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. If I sway, then just go with me, but don't attempt to balance yourself. So this is the difference between faith and trust. See, the spectators had faith in Blondin and believed in his abilities. But his friend Harry Colcord trusted him enough to climb on his back and allow him to carry him across. 
So think about that. Is your trust in God like that? Do you truly trust him to provide and to care for you and supply all your needs? Or do you place your trust in personal resources and efforts or in other people or things you think you can control? Without the trust in the Lord, you'll never know the joy and the confidence that he's wanting you to have. He, wants, he says, in all ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. See, I have to be one with God. He says, take on my demeanor. Take on my energy. Don't try to steer it yourself, Cynthia. Just relax. I've got it covered. I know how to walk this tightrope of life without falling off. I just need you to hang on to me and trust me. See, I have faith that God can do anything he wants to do. Do I trust he's going to do it for me? That's the difference. I can have great faith in God. But when it comes to really exercising that faith, I have to actually trust him. So let's think about our trustworthy God. So we're told that there are 31,174 verses in the Bible and that Psalms 118 verse 8 is the middle verse, very middle of the Bible. And, it's, and it reads, it's better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in man. So we know that the dividing of the Bible into verses was made by translators. But at the same time, it's interesting and instructive that God's absolute trustworthiness should be mentioned in the very middle of the Bible, just as Blondin and Harry had to deal with that 50-foot part of the rope that wasn't secure. Join me again as we talk more about trust and faith, and are you trustworthy? Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And I hope you're having a wonderful Sunday and that you are looking forward to March. I can't believe it's already almost March. Jeremy, my producer, said this is the last one in February. I can't believe we're already in March of 2021. Time is, is fascinating. So we are talking about this idea of trust. And what it feels like when someone says, I trust you, does that feel weighty? Does it feel like, oh, my goodness, that's a responsibility that I have. Someone's trusting me. Now, there's a, there's a difference between having faith in somebody and actually trusting them. See, we might have faith in how good our doctor is, but when it comes time to surgery, do we really trust him? Are we really going to let him put us under and then cut us open, Right. So faith and trust are great best friends, and they work very well together. And so we talked last in this last segment about that the Bible, there are 31,174 verses in the Bible that talk about trust and putting confidence in God, not in man. So throughout the Old Testament, we're reminded of that, that God can be trusted in all circumstances. And in the Old Testament, there are no less than 76 references to trusting God. So in the New Testament, the word faith is used as an equivalent many times to the Old Testament use of trust. But how are we to understand what it means to have trust in God 
So the word trust means to have confidence in, to be sure about, to lean on, to depend on, to take refuge in. Now see, faith, having faith in something means I might take the first step. So the faith helps me to move forward. But faith needs to transition to trust. So there are many people that say, I have faith in our relationship. And I say, well, but do you trust that it's going to work? Do you trust your partner? Do you trust yourself? And this is why it's imperative that we understand these two different words. So think for a moment how hard it would be to get through a single day without exercising trust. See, trust runs through the whole fabric of our living. Let's think about this. We have business dealings. We go to the doctor. We board a plane. So we have faith that the plane is going to take off. But do we actually trust the plane? Do we trust the plane we're in? We have to trust banking. We have to trust elevators, right? So when we think about this, when it says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man, we might ask ourselves why it's safer to trust in God than to trust in man. But here, here are some very good answers. Because you see, God is totally trustworthy and men are not. See, David had been betrayed by men that he had trusted, like Absalom and Saul. And we have probably been betrayed by people we trusted. But here's the interesting thing. When they healed that mistrust with us, we go back to having faith in them again. We may be a little more trepidatious when it comes to actually trusting them, but we do have faith that maybe they're getting it together. Faith that they are maybe a better person than they were when they let me down. So God is almighty, but man is limited. God is good, but men are often selfish. See, God is wise and knows what's best for us, but we don't always know what's best for us. And so there are emergencies men cannot help us with, even though they may be willing. But God can help with all. So we as humans are limited to this life, but God is not limited. He is eternal. So when God invites us to put our trust in him, I want you to think about all the different verses that summarize that entire teaching in the Old and the New Testament of how trustworthy our God is. And we are to put our faith in him. And as we have faith in who he says he is, we begin to trust him. The more we trust him, the more we know who he is. So let's think about this when we are considering why is it so important to trust why does God continually establish trust and want us to know how trustworthy he is? Well, he knows his own design. He understands the architecture of the humans that he created. And trust is the first stage of development in every human, actually in all mammals. It's the first building block that all other developmental processes are built upon. So when we look at this, this hope, what, wh where we get our hope is in the trust versus mistrust. And that's the existential question brand new people have to figure out. Can I trust the world I'm born into? Can I trust my caregivers? 
That's the first thing we as humans have to accomplish. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about trust versus mistrust. Good afternoon. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me. If you're just tuning in and you missed the first three segments of this show, you can always go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, hit the radio button at the top of the first page, and you can listen to the show right from your computer. Or you can go to your favorite podcast server. We're on most of them. And you can listen to the show that is airing today, or you can listen to the past shows. So we are talking about this idea of trust and what it feels like when someone trusts you. I mean, how, how do you feel when an animal trusts you? It's this really amazing feeling. Or when someone trusts you, when you're helping someone and they actually let you help them and they trust you. How about if they give you a really big assignment and they say, you know, you're the only person I would ask because you're the only person I really trust to be able to do this. See, trust is this amazing human quality that is the bedrock of all mammals. It's this trust issue. So if you've ever worked with injured animals, you know building back trust with them is the first thing we can do before we ever actually befriend them. So if you've ever had a rescue animal, you know that you have to lower your expectations because you are trying to create trust with them. So they're having faith that maybe you're going to feed them and take care of you, but they're not quite ready to trust you. So they'll cower around you. Maybe they'll hide from you. Maybe they'll bite, nip, scratch, right? Maybe they'll do all kinds of odd things to test whether or not you're really trustworthy. Well, this is what mammals do. So the first stage of development for any human is what is called trust versus mistrust. And this is the existential question that all humans are working through. They may not cognitively know it, but they are trying to figure out with taking little and big steps, can I trust the world that I am in? Not the world in its entirety, but my own little world. So as a baby, you all know that my adoption story, and so my parents adopted me, took me home, And that had been the the third place, I believe, that I was in. And so I had to really learn to trust that this place was permanent. And that took time. That took time with my mom and dad. And maybe longer than they ever anticipated that it might take. And so that faith that I had good caregivers was a lot easier to manage, continuing to have faith in them because they were very great providers. But could I trust them with my heart? Could I trust their love for me? And so trust is defined by Erickson, and he is a very famous um, psychiatrist, psychologist, and he he explains this trust issue as an essential truthfulness of others as well as a fundamental sense of one's own trustworthiness. That's what happens when we achieve that first stage of development of trust that we believe in ourselves, and we are able to trust others. So the infant depends on the parents, especially the mom, many times, for sustenance and comfort. So the child's relative understanding of the world and society comes from parents and the interaction that they have with that child. 
So a child's first trust is always with whoever their caregiver is. But even the caregiver is secondary, whereas the parents are primary in the child's eyes. So we can have a lot of people that care for us or cared for us, but as soon as we understand who our parents are, who our dad is, who our mom is, that becomes the primary source to where we look for the need to have trust and faith. So if the parents expose children, a child, to the warmth and regularity and dependable affection, then you see the infant's view of the world will be one of trust. But should the parents fail to provide that, if they don't you know, provide a secure environment, if they don't meet a child's basic needs, then this sense of mistrust follows them into their developmental years. So if you've ever been with someone, had a relationship with someone that you feel like you're constantly having to prove you're trustworthy, it may be because there were some developmental things for them growing up, that they didn't have the regular attention and affection and caregiving and looking at them that maybe they required as a kid. So when, as we think about this, we say, wow, so God is our original parent, and then we have some adopted parents. And if you're adopted, then you have adopted, adopted, twice adopted parents, right? So think about this idea of how much we're depending on this caregiver to tell us whether or not the world is safe, whether or not we're strong enough or have enough courage to test our environment. So go back to the story of the trapeze walker. How much faith did his friend, Harry, have to have in him, in Blondin, to actually sit on his back while he's carried across the Niagara Falls, you know, the Niagara Falls, he's carried across on his back on a tightrope that's about two inches wide? That's crazy. But that's how much trust he had in his friend. So he had faith in his abilities, but he also had to trust that he was going to accomplish it. So if we develop mistrust, we many times get these feelings that lead to frustration, suspicion, withdrawal, a lack of confidence. And so this is one of the major things that we need to work on. So anyone that works in, in um, therapy or you know, counseling, consulting, coaching, one of the things we are always firstly establishing is trust. See, they have enough faith to come see me, but I have to build trust with them, and that takes time. So one of the things when I talk to people about relationships is I say, you have to have time. It takes time to build trust. I have to see people in many different areas, how they act with different types of people, different times of the day, if they don't have money, if they have money, if they um, like their appearance, if they don't. Are they, are they honest in the way they deal with other people? Are they a good driver? All these areas help me to know whether or not I can actually trust this person. Because see, if an infant learns trust, that others are dependable and reliable, then they are better able to take the risk of relationships as they grow up. But if they were neglected or perhaps even abused, then the infant learns mistrust. So they are going to first mistrust the world until it proves itself to them. 
So they're going to think the world is undependable, unpredictable, and maybe even a dangerous place. So while negative, having some experience with mistrust also, though, allows an infant to gain some understanding of what constitutes dangerous situations. So this is how God causes all things to work together for good, right? Because none of us had perfect parents. And so we, what happens is that if we have enough trust in our caregivers, then when they let us down, we actually begin to develop a tolerance for negative things and to keep trying in our relationship. So if that infant has pretty good trusting interactions with their parents, and then their parents kind of like lose the program, maybe they forget to change a diaper, maybe they forget to pick them up from the babysitter on time. But if these are very uncommon or um, what we would say uh, they're not constants, then what a child learns to do is to say, overall, I can trust my caregiver. Even if they mess up sometimes, I still have faith in them so I can trust them. So this is part of the way we build relationships with one another, is knowing that even if I let you down, if I have a good track record with you, then I'm simply a mistake-making person versus dishonest, right, suspicious, untrustworthy person, someone with no character. See, if I only have mistrust, then I see the things that people do that are wrong all the time. That's the first thing I see. But if I have faith and the ability to then trust, I can overlook many foibles that people have and things that they do that maybe hurt my feelings or let me down. I can say, you know what, but overall, you know, maybe they just had a bad day. So I might be able to give them a pass. So let's think about this, this idea of mastery, that this stage is required to advance to the next stage. So if I don't develop trust, I will then have it misplaced with, with mistrust. And the mistrust then will be the thing I have to overcome at every juncture in my life as an adult. So if I have trouble trusting, I may need to go back to where that happened. So was there a primary caregiver that let me down? Was there a babysitter, a coach, a first boyfriend that I really put my trust in and they let me down? So the idea here is that God is perfect. He's trustworthy all the time. So he doesn't require any forgiveness on our part. The people that need forgiveness is us, right? So God is always having faith in us even when we mess up. So what you want to think about is if you struggle with any of this kind of stuff, with this like, oh, I don't know if I can trust people. They have to prove themselves to me. And, you know, the person that's trying to prove themselves to you doesn't know how long they have to keep proving themselves. Like, when are they going to prove it, right? So what you might want to say is, is there someone that I maybe had realistic expectations or even unrealistic expectations? But either way, I was let down. So I don't want to trust anymore. It hurts too much to be let down. So I might enjoy people, but I don't really trust them. And what happens is, for humans, for mammals, trust is one of the coolest, most amazing feelings you can have and share with someone. This is not something that God wants you to give up on. He wants you to understand that trust is part of a quality that he put in you because he is trustworthy. 
So we need to trust as a part of our life working and having the life that God has created for us. We need to be able to trust. We need to be able to heal when someone acts in a a mistrustworthy way. If they are untrustworthy, we need to be able to forgive them, to move past that, to grow from it, and have more knowledge. So there are some people that I might say, you know, I really like them. I like hanging out with them. I have a lot of faith in their abilities and their talents, but I don't trust them very well. So I can say that if I have done forgiveness of them. So if I'm accepting of them, knowing as an adult, I may not really trust them, but I do like them. But then there are some people in my life that I really trust. And those people have earned my trust. And if they let me down, it hurts a lot more. So I need to be able to recognize the difference, that it's not black or white. The older I get, the more gray it becomes. So I hope this helped. I really want you to think about this idea of trust and mistrust. And if you struggle with trust, I want you to start with God first then. He's a great person to experience, experiment with. He will never let you down. He is trustworthy. And that's the best place to start. So I'm so glad that you joined me today. And I want, to remember, I want you to remember again this verse in Proverbs chapter 3. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one that will keep you on track. Have a blessed week. Join me again next week. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and have a blessed Sunday. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version.